Aloha and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers, what an absolute treat we have today. Award winning war journalist, Navy SEAL, athlete, Harvard graduate. I could just spend the whole episode just going around your accolades, but we have Kaj Larson with us today. Kaj, thank you so much for being on the Got Your Six podcast. Yeah, it's such an honor to be here. I'm glad we made it happen. Absolutely. We've been talking back and forth for a while, so it's cool we can finally get together. One thing that's really fascinating, you've been in the Navy since 2000, uh, but you were also you know, doing that dual hat role as a reservist. You were living life as a journalist, going out and doing this incredible thing, work with ABC, NBC, MSNBC, Vice, Huffington Post, obviously the list goes on, but also being a Navy SEAL, there's got to be stuff, or at least one thing you've constantly implemented throughout your time in the military, also in that civilian world, as you kind of play that both roles. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. You know, I did, I was in this unique position where I had to jump back and forth across the line between my civilian life and my team life. And, you know, like, to be clear, I think when I was on active duty, when I graduated BUDS, when I went to my first SEAL team, I was like, head down, that was the job, that was the mission. And then postgraduate school, when I transferred over to the reserve side, that's when I had to wear these these two different hats. And like, in some ways, they're, they're opposite. I say like, oh, I traded my my gun for a camera. But in some ways, there's so many parallels. And I, th- I think the common thread between like what I do in the civilian world and then my military career was a sense of mission and purpose. I mean, even the way we connected, both being 10,000 athletes, like I now conduct business with like brands and people who are congruent with my values. And I think that's why I attach myself to 10,000. I feel like that's why you attach yourself to 10,000. And that's how our connection happened. And when you live by your values and you live with mission and purpose, all of these amazing things happen in your life. Right. And that mission and purpose allows you, and I think you embody this so well, is that excellence and habit, right? Where you constantly are doing the same thing repetitively, but it's essentially do less better. And you do that so well. Where does that come from? Is that something you've took away from your time in the service? Or is it something like you grew up with around your sister and your family? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's this old nature nurture argument, like certainly like when I think about my sister, she's extraordinary successful, like excellence does kind of, uh, is an expectation. It's a tacit expectation, but it's an expectation in my family. What I say is that my great grandfather served in the czar's army, actually in the czar's band in Russia. And my grandfather was in the Navy band, uh, in world war II. Is actually stationed at Pearl Harbor. But, you know, I'm basically tone deaf and can't play an instrument. So I had to be excellent at being a commando. Uh, that, was my, that was my mission. Absolutely. And so uh, it was just something ingrained in you in that communication, you know, from your family the entire time, like continue to just work at what feels right to you, that fills you with fulfillment at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think um, 
both of us have been schooled in the art of service-oriented leadership and, and servant leadership. And that's really important to me. I think there comes a point in everyone's life where you have to ask yourself how you want to be of service once you've achieved certain milestones and stuff. Uh, and for me, that first took the route of military service, and then it second took the route of public service uh, in my civilian life. So I do. I do think a commitment to, to excellence um, and to purpose is helps you on whatever trajectory you are in life. It, it helps magnify and, and, and raise that, that bar even higher. Right. And like you said, as a servant leader, you have that vision, which allows everyone to kind of rally around. And a key component of servant leadership is humility, right? So is there a talent or skill that you're working on? I know you just launched Guild, which is a trusted investment platform inspiring the military community to serve secure financial freedom through training and education. Is that something that you're really working on? It's kind of new to you or is there, is there something else? It's actually brand new to a degree. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said humility. And trust me, being a startup fintech entrepreneur is a humbling experience. Like you don't know what you don't know until you're on a call with the developers in the Philippines at 5 a.m. And they're like teaching you about Python, you know, the language of coding. And you're like, God, you know, rewind 20 years ago, I was a knuckle dragger in the Philippines hunting you know, people with the Southern Philippines, right? Now I'm being taught development, web development by them. So like, yeah, and I think that kind of challenge and, and growth in taking on new endeavors is really essentially, like we learn through challenge, we learn through failure, and that's how we grow. And again, Guild for me, like if I, if I look way back in my life, my first working decade, my 20s were devoted to military service and deploying downrange uh, and doing the thing, right? And then the next decade, you know, I was still in the reserves, but my civilian career was really focused on media. So I went from the military to the media. And in this, this third decade of work, those two have kind of come together. And I'm really focused on money because one of the things that I realized is it's really important to have a sense of purpose, but also for the military community, which in large part has been left behind by the private wealth community. It's also important to pay attention to purse, right? And like, I'm sure you have had you know, when you're a young junior officer, right, you probably had guys in, in your battalion, you know, or in your company who got that first regular paycheck and they went out there and they bought that Mustang at the Ville at 25% interest, right? With that, like, we, we got yep. those stories for days, right? And, and I realized that, you know, financial literacy in the military could use um, some tailwinds from the civilian sector and from the private sector. And so that's what we're doing. We launched this company. It's a self-directed investing platform designed for the military community. And, and we believe that financial literacy is so critical that we'll actually pay you to do financial training. So you go on, on our application and you watch a little video on savings versus investings. One minute video, we'll put $5 in your brokerage account to start trading. And we think it's really important to be in charge of your financial future um, because that's essential, whether you're still active duty, whether you're transitioning uh, out of the military, or whether you're you know, a veteran who's been out for 10 years and you're a sophisticated investor, we kind of want to give those, those tools. And we, we oriented it. My founding team are two naval intel officers and, and myself, right? So we, it's a military experience. Like when you make your first trade, you get a ribbon that looks like the National Defense Ribbon. That's cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah, all that stuff. So yeah, that's that, that's what I'm doing now. And I like how you've tied in so many different elements of those three different like decades into this and you know constantly changing your language, right? 
Python in the Philippines meant something totally different when you were there trying not to, you know, get, you know, get them wrapped up around you. Now you're all wrapped up in Python in the Philippines again, but it's a completely different sense. Yeah. And we have to evolve as humans, right? Um, That is, life is dynamic, right? If we learned anything over these past crazy two and a half years is that life is dynamic and unpredictable, right? So the old Semper Gumby, always flexible, willing to improve and learn ourselves. I think that kind of uh, adaptability and and learning is essential to, to success in life. Absolutely. Would you say that belief in that flexibility has really greatly improved your life the most? I do. I think it's related to this sort of semi-amorphous concept when we talk about resilience, right? Obviously, Tony, you and I have discussed this in the veteran community um, and even in the active duty community. We've been at war for two decades, right? That's created a a lot of trauma and it's created a, a lot of issues within the veterans community. So we're all constantly asking ourselves, you know, how do we build resilience both within a community and within individuals? I would even make the argument that certain elements of design and urban planning are looking at resiliency in buildings, right? Like you saw that crazy disaster in Florida where the the building collapsed or whatever, right? That building was so rigid that it didn't bend, it broke, right? So even in like design-centric thinking now, they're thinking about this concept of resiliency. So I, I have been really focused on how we build resiliency into systems, right? And I've just taken that kind of thinking and I've oriented it now towards financial planning and towards financial health and literacy and wellness thinking how do we how do we build robust resilient financial systems for our military community and like anything else it sounds you know a little plebeian but ultimately the idea is education and and getting people to understand more and to take control of their own future and that education piece is so essential you know, both of us have been very privileged to go to elite institutions and learn from the the best in the world. But being able to take what you learn as a subject matter expert and then deliver that to other people and really break it down. I mean, that's why we love people. Um, You know, you can go down the list of famous thinkers who have really been able to break down things, Feynman, you know, the whole list. That's what's essentially what you're doing here with Gil. Totally, totally. Although I have to admit, I was just still like stuck and laughing about the, you know, the Ivy League letting us two knuckle draggers walk through right. those gilded doors, you know. <laughs> those Holland halls, and they're like, What are, uh are you sure you didn't get into Cornell? <laughs> yeah. Nope, I'm here. I'm this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And look, everything that I do is is mission oriented. If you look, it's not just me who's recognized this as a critical issue. I'm sure you're seeing it. In, in the army currently, but you know it's it's true. It's ubiquitous across all branches of service, across military and veteran community. But DoD itself has said that uh, financial readiness is the number one household stressor. Sixty-five uh, percent of households say that financial distress is the number one priority, and so it affects readiness. It affects the health and wellness of the the military community. So DoD has recognized that, and we're trying to do our little small piece to help people uh, along that path and that journey. Uh, and it's fun. I mean, you're on it, right? Like you got on the platform. I, I am. I am. I am absolutely on the platform. We got to get yeah. you training, man. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we already are, right? As soon as I got on, you hooked, like you said, you hooked it up and I was able to just get on there and start doing my thing. And it was a, a snap. Like I have gone through a lot of different things, a lot of different onboarding and literally yeah. no issues. It was yeah. great. 
Yeah, well, I will. I will see you on the leaderboard. Is what we <laughs> like to say. You know, you know us, us like CrossFit guys, us competitive athletes. Like we need a leaderboard. We need to measure how we're doing. You know, again, absolutely. Because you were the owner and founder of uh, CrossFit Santa Monica, right? Like absolutely. one of the first CrossFit gyms ever. Well, so my path with CrossFit super interesting because you're a CrossFit guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually from Santa Cruz originally. So I went to the very first CrossFit gym with Coach Glassman. And when I was home on leave, I would come back and I would work out at the gym. And uh, there was actually a bunch of other frogmen who were down at the uh, at the Naval Post Grad School in Monterey. And I would like drag them up and I'd be like, hey, you guys got to come check this workout out. You know, and then we'd all like go through some dick dragger workout. We'd be dying on the floor. Right. And then we slowly started bringing it back to our individual like teams and platoons. And it sort of started to, you know, there was a couple entry points in the SEAL teams, but that was one of the early entry points of cross pollinating CrossFit into the NSW community. I didn't know that. That is fascinating. And then later on as a civilian or when I was a reservist, I opened CrossFit Santa Monica in 2013, um, and uh, yeah, wonderful place. And as you know, the sense of community that that you get when you build a brick and mortar institution like that it's it's kind of second to none. Right. It really comes down to that sense of community, right? Whether you're a leader in the military or you're an entrepreneur, you really have to once you are able to foster a sense of community, the sky's the limit. You're really untouchable at that point because you have these everyone's working on that in their purpose. They're driven on that same mission. Yeah, and really in CrossFit, what's so what's so cool and and neat about it, and I use CrossFit as like just a broad catch-all for you know functional fitness, you know things that make you lighter, leaner, stronger, faster, you know whatever your goals are. What works for me is that I feel like I'm on a constant quest for self improvement, right? I want to be to borrow from our ten thousand brethren, you know, a little bit better every day. And CrossFit was like an amazing way to help imbue that, uh, that philosophy into a community of people around me. And, you know, people like they take to it like a duck to water, like people are hungry for self-improvement, right? Like, as you know, it's, that's, that's your quest also, right? Is to give people tools and training and ideas to help them on this, on this journey of self-improvement. And it's so nice to use CrossFit or at least the gym as kind of a laboratory to do that. Yeah. And it allows for that character development to like I talk about resiliency building, like that, that's where it occurs where you're, you know, only five minutes into a 20 minute workout and you're like, I got to push through, right? Because I know I can be better than I was yesterday to take from what, you know, 10,000, what you were just saying. Along the way, as we build resiliency though, we're presented a lot with failure and adversity. Where has a failure really come in your life that has shaped ultimately a great success? I think failure is like an essential part of growth. Like you can't do it. You know, I was, I was, uh, I wrote down a bunch of notes for a book when I was at Harvard, you know, when, when John F. Kennedy was at Harvard, he wrote a book that was called Profiles in Courage. And he profiled five political leaders who had undergone courageous political acts in sort of defiance of, of the norms at that time. And when I was at Harvard, I wrote a draft of a book that was about profiles in failure, about people who had epic failures and then had had to overcome them. A small example was, you know, Al Gore, who lost the 2000 presidency. He sort of like went into a cave, 
grew his beard long, right? And then he like reemerged to like win an Academy Award, win a Nobel Peace Prize, like all of this stuff. Um, and he sort of overcame his failure, which was failing to win the 2000 election. He overcame his failure by like going internal and finding a new sense of purpose on, you know, on environmentalism, right? And I thought that that process was really cool and interesting. So I think whether like for me personally, like failure to get like a PR, like if you're doing like a hang clean or something, you're like, okay, I dropped the weight, it smashed, it made a loud noise, like failed, right? Everything from like a micro failure like that to, I remember I got a uh, C in accounting and that's a gentleman's C in accounting at, uh, at Harvard. Like I was just like the double bound. It was like the driest, like most, you know, and partially I was like, I'm never going to use this shit, you know? So I was doing like horrible in that class, barely passing, like a C is barely passing. And I was never going to, I like eked, eked by, right. Danger close to actual failure on that. Anyways, Fast forward like several years later, right? Now I'm an entrepreneur and like all of a sudden I actually have to understand the balance sheet and EBITDA and all this stuff. So like- It's your whole life, yeah. It's it's everything. So it forced me to like jump back in, like relearn like what I had almost failed at, right? But I had this like great solid base, right? So even though I was terrible at something then, when I actually had to put it, into use pragmatically and practically, it uh, it allowed me. And so like, look, I sucked at it in academics, but in the real world, like I've embraced it. I love that. And we can all relate to that, you know, in the academic setting. Kaj, thank you for being here. But before we go, I have to ask you our final question. You've talked about purpose, servant leadership, focusing on the mission, but how are you, Kaj Larson, better today than yesterday? Mm. Well, uh, I'm better every day is specifically today, um, one for having had the ability to like reach an audience, thanks to you, Tony, and to like discussing these ideas. Uh, that's a great honor for me. That's a way of giving back, and it's a reminder of this dedication and mission to service. So I feel I feel like that I I'm better yesterday uh, than better today than I am yesterday because I had that platform to speak to people. So that's that's really wonderful. Um, and yeah. Other than that, I just got back from Mexico and I was cleaning and, and scrubbing all of my, my spearfishing gear, right? Take care of your gear. Your gear takes care of you. And uh, I was thinking about being back in the teams and how we had this mantra of like when you when you come back from a mission, team gear, personal gear, person, right? And I realized as I was like cleaning my gear today that that idea was so applicable in so many domains of life, Right. You come back, like whether you're working in a company and the first thing you do is you make sure that your company and mission first, right? Then you take care of whatever level your unit is, unit level. And then when all of that is done, make sure that includes making sure that all your your guys and gals and, and all the people who are working for you or with you are taken care of. And then finally, you take care of yourself, right? Uh, and I'd sort of forgotten about that until I was like scrubbing off my spear gun today. I was like, oh yeah, team gear, personal gear person, right? I'm going to carry that uh, one with me. So drag that one out of the archives. And uh, I think it's still good and applicable today. That absolutely is. And that essentially wraps up the episode. I knew you were going to do it. I knew it was going to come where you're going to somehow tie everything together. I didn't know how you were. And you, <laughs> you delivered 
as always. Kaj, where can people go to reach out, connect, talk to you if they have any questions? I know you got second season of The Right Fit coming out soon. Yeah, so that's my podcast with my sister. And probably like good starting point always is either my personal webpage, which is, you know, kajlarsen.com. And that's Larson with an E, my Scandinavian heritage. Uh, so kajlarsen.com. Most people honestly find me on Instagram where I'm pretty active. I like to post a lot of stuff about uh, about the ocean and about uh, the marine environment and, and stuff like that. Um, but I'm also increasingly posting about the, the work that we're doing at Guild. You can find out more about Guild at, uh, at the Guild website, guild.financial. We have this uh, awesome launch video that's shot on the, the battleship New Jersey. And then uh, you can check that out. And you can also download that platform in the, in the App Store, iOS, or in the Google Play Store. Check it out. If people DM me on Instagram, I'll give you my, uh, my founder's code, gets you a little cash to get started in your brokerage account. And uh, people can make their first trade and, and get going on their on their path to financial freedom. And we can see everybody on the leaderboard because, you know, Sixers are always trying to be better than yesterday. So absolutely. Kaj, again, thank you so much for your time, sharing your stories from all the different lives that you've been able to live, uh, giving back to us, the listeners, because I just sat back and I was just taking it all in. So I appreciate that. And of course, thanks for having our six. Yeah, absolutely. Got your six. I love it. Sixers, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Got Your Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share with a friend, pass along, tell them what you got out of it. If you're listening on Apple, make sure you leave us a review. And if you don't like what we're doing, also let us know. We can only get better from hearing from you, all the Sixers out there. We're always here to adapt and evolve as this podcast continues to grow and thrive. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button and you'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday.